In the following live session recording, Susan Allen, Minister to Children for First Baptist Church of Statesboro, Georgia, talks about connecting with families and helping families connect. God's plan has always been to use the significant adults in the lives of kids to teach them spiritual truths. Are today's parents equipped to do that? Well, many are not. This session will challenge you to be proactive in connecting with the kids' families as well as giving them a plan to help your church better connect with families and families to connect with their own kids. Let's join Susan now. I do serve as kids minister here and have been here for uh, more than 21 years, so um, it has been a joy to be able to serve in this congregation. Glad you're here today and um, excited about this subject matter because we know, without even having to talk about it, how important connecting with our families is. You know, I, I have conversations with people, and I had a conversation actually today with someone who talked about someone who was struggling in kids' ministry, and guess what they were struggling with? This very subject. They they did their job well. They were organized. They were well planned. They had all their out. They had their act together fully, but they were not being able to connect. So it's exciting to think about us thinking about it. We don't have the answers. Um, I wish I did have the answers, but we're going to talk a little bit today about who our families are and um, and and what that means to us as leaders. It's not our job to judge today's families, but to try and understand them so we can reach families with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we come to this point, I want to say real clearly that we, we love families, don't we? I mean, they're, they're what we're all about is loving on those families. But sometimes when we talk about it, I wonder if somebody listened to our conversations as we talk about our families, if they would think we didn't really love them because we see the realities of them and we giggle about it and we laugh about it. We complain about it. Uh, we moan and groan about who our families are. But, but we're not, as we look at who they are, we're not looking at it, it in a way to be able to uh, be critical of them, but to be uh, aware of who is it we're dealing with. Um, you know, we realize that today, um, most, some of you guys are really young, but some of us have been around a year or two, and we've seen families change drastically, and particularly in how they relate to our churches. Um, one of the major things that we have seen as a change in families is um, they're not being the same um, not being active at the same level. I, I don't know what it's like in your church, but in most churches today, what, you know, when I was a little girl, if you were an active family, you were probably there most every Sunday unless you were on your one week away vacation or something like that, but you were rarely miss Sunday school. And if you did, you went to church in that other town and you brought back your note for your Sunday school teacher to know that you were actually in Sunday school. Is that today's case? Not in most of our churches. An active family might be there twice a month. And, um, and when you think about that, when I talk about talk to leaders, and you probably all face the same thing I do, of people saying, well, I don't want to serve every week. Uh, you know, I'll serve, I'll serve every other week, or I'll serve once a month at Sunday school. And I think, okay, let's sit down and do the math on that. Let's look at who these children are. And say you've got this little group of children. 
we already know a large number of them two times a month is the most they're going to be there and so you you do that math of how many times you're going to see them a year and then but you're now now you're only going to be there every other sunday and so you start taking it down there and you think what kind of what kind of um relationship are you going to be able to build with these children that you are only going to see just a few times and i don't know about you but i believe that the, the greatest thing that we do is build relationships we are able to share jesus with them and we're able to share with them what a true relationship with christ is when only after we have built a relationship with them and we have been able to make that bridge to them so if we don't have that opportunity um, we have really just kind of um, cut our own throats in that so let's Let's see who are our families. Got a snapshot who who our families are. Um, we have our giraffe family. Okay, you can probably guess that the giraffe family is our overextended families. Do you have any? Do you have a giraffe family in your church? They have an awful schedule, and it's most of them. They are into sports. They have school stuff. They have extracurricular activities. And guess what? They're also overextended financially. And so they're frustrated in every way. But they, and they are overly committed to many of these organizations, but they're not necessarily overly committed to their church. It's, it's kind of odd to me how we're seeing that, that they, you know, they're all in, all in in these other groups, but not necessarily when it comes to the church. They place a very low priority on church attendance. And this overextension results in people who are, guess what, tired, exhausted, they're distracted, they're stressed. And so it really matters to us when we make decisions. You know, when we think about what kind of things are we going to offer, what are we going to ask our kids to do, um, we have to think about what, what, they're have, what are they having to do in all these other areas. We've got to be reasonable. I, I said to my people one day, I said, you know, I wish we could do... Let's do, um, let's have sock night. Let's have something every Wednesday night and have a special night. And they just looked at me, they're like, we're doing good to get here on Wednesday night. You know, we are coming in from football practice. We're coming in from ballet. We're coming in from tutoring. We don't want to have to make sure we got on crazy socks when we come on Wednesday night. Well, you know, I'm like, man, that just burst my bubble. But the last thing I need to do, as much fun as it could be, is put more stress on these families and on these parents because I don't want them staying home because they didn't have the right costume to wear that night or didn't have what they needed. So, so the giraffe family, we've got to think about them when we make our planning. Who else do we have in our church? Ah, we have the peacock family. They're concerned with what? Can you imagine how they look? How they look they're, with their appearance. They are one, they're looking really good on social media. Is that necessarily who they really are? And, we, and we're all guilty of that, you know, that what we put on social media, I love Facebook and I don't, you know, I don't want to put up a picture that, you know, I don't want everybody to see and I don't want to put out there, hey, life was really hard today and I, I had a really tough day and somebody told me off today because I did something wrong. You know, you know, we don't say this because we want to put up you know, all are wonderful things. And so, you know, they want to drive the best car. They want to, um, they're concerned with how their house looks and where, where they live, the neighborhood they live in. They want to be the kids to be in the right schools. Everything is about how does it appear? 
what do people think about us? What do we, we think about peacocks, they kind of strut, you know, so we've got these families. Anybody got a family that you can think of in your church like that? Uh, they struggle deep down, though, deep down. And, you know, they may really look beautiful on the outside, and they look like they've got it all together. But what's happening on the inside? They're hurting, and they're really needing us. And um, they, they, don't, they really don't know where to turn next. So who else have we got? I've got the hippopotamus. They are technologically saturated. Now, that is who our young families are. They communicate with each other through their devices. Some of our church members um, took a picture of us at a restaurant on a Sunday at lunch, and uh, we were both sitting there on our phones waiting for our meal, my husband and I, you know, and they were like, and they took a picture and put it on Facebook. <laughs> we were like, oh, that was kind of embarrassing, you know, but... You know, our excuses were like, okay, you got to realize we live together, we work together, we do everything together. It's okay if we sit and play on our phones at dinner or whatever. But the reality is, you know, we've got people sitting in rooms just talking to each other through their phones. Uh, I've got a friend that told me a story of he was sitting with his friends and the wife and the husband were both just going to town on their phones and he realized later they were actually talking to one another. And he's like... I was kind of thinking they were talking about me, you know, because well, otherwise, why didn't they say it out loud? But they don't say it out loud. They don't talk. They talk through their technology, and so they've got it all. They've got all kinds of things going, rather than dealing and communicating face-to-face. And so, and they tell us that this generation can have five screens open at a time. Now, I would be losing. You know, I don't have the ability to do that. But this young generation may have. Can you think what those five would be that they might have at any given time? Tablet, computer, your phone, the computer, the TV. Right there, easy. Uh, We didn't struggle. Yeah. Or the, call it. Not the radio, but that's yeah. what they call it. I call it. Their, um, their um, the music. playlist. Their yeah, playlist. playlist, yeah. So, I mean, we don't even have to struggle to come up with that. So that's the reality of where they are living. And um, truthfully, do they even really always know how to communicate face-to-face? You know, I've, I've noticed a lot of parents, when they are bringing their children, they'll say, look at Miss Susan. You know, and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to do a better job. They've realized their children aren't learning to have face-to-face interaction. Ah, we know the chameleons. They have the pressure to conform. They're conforming to social, political correctness, gender identity. Is that a scary one for us? Politics, the Me Too movement. They hear what the media says and they quickly conform out of fear of being left out. They don't want to be the ones that were the, the stuck-in-the-mud kind. They don't want that reputation. So they're just kind of changing. And boy, are they. Are y'all seeing that in your young adults? It's frightening. Uh, I watch them on Facebook and I watch their conversations and I'm like, they are just following the world. They're just going with it. And these are people that have been in our Sunday school classes that we have raised. But as young adults, 
they're just picking up on what they see and hear and going with it. Um, so we have to try to be ready for that, and we have to prepare them for it and be ready to help them through that crisis. Mercat. Is that how you say that? Mercat? Yeah, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. And this is a little different from those that were just concerned with their appearances. This one's actually doing it. This one's actually always looking to see what everybody else is doing and keeping up with it. So what do you think is going to happen to them if they're doing everything that the Joneses are doing? What's, what's the, how are they going to be left? Who are they going to be? Not themselves. Not themselves, not at all. They're going to be stressed. They're going to be broke. They're going to be under a tremendous amount of financial pressure. A friend of mine was telling about a how he changed out his countertops in his apartment. He said, I had Formica, and it was just working out just great. I didn't know I needed anything other than Formica. I started watching Home and Garden television, and you know, you watch that and you learn really quick, you don't need, you can't have Formica, you know? And he's like, I don't know why I had to have granite, but I had to have granite because that's what they told me. Do we not do that all the time, you know? My husband the other day, I said something about, you men will, I shouldn't tell this in front of the men, but I'm like, I just really miss the days when we wore hose. <laughs> I, just, I, really, I really liked hose. You know, they're like, my husband said, well, why don't you wear hose? And I'm like, because they say you don't wear them anymore. And I'm like, he's like, who cares what they say? And I'm like, well, you know, they told me at the welcome desk one day that only old ladies wear hose. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't wear hose anymore. I mean, we don't, we don't like to think that's who we are, but we are. That's who we are. And so it really is affecting who our families are. Okay, this is a funny one. The bearded dragons. These people have been in the media a lot lately. They want to give their children a leg up. Have we seen them? Now, we've seen it on a large scale, and we're very critical of the ones that we've seen on a large scale, the ones that are going to prison for it because they tried to get their kids in colleges. But are we not there here on a smaller scale every day because we will do whatever we can. Um, my grandchildren are into the ball world and boy, I've watched that world of how you gotta, you gotta do this to be able to be on the baseball team. You know, no, we didn't want to do summer ball, but if we don't do summer ball, then we can't be on the ball team in the fall. So, you know, we're not going to get to go to church camp and we're not going to get to go to Bible school. I see it all the time. And the parents are like, you know, we really don't want to do this, but if we don't, our kid's going to miss out. I mean, that's the life they're living. It's the same way in education. We've seen it with the college crisis. Um, private lessons, people paying private lessons that are just ridiculous. I mean, I was visiting with a young couple yesterday and she has a tutoring company. And, don't hear me wrong. I mean, a lot of kids need tutoring and need help. But there's the reality is kids are going to tutoring to try to get above what is even needed, what's above necessary, not, not to be able to be successful and to be able to function. But their parents are willing to pay whatever it takes. You know, they'll pay somebody to teach, to coach their child during the summer in, a, in whatever ball it is so that they can make the team or whatever. So they're spending money they don't have, 
and they're stressing the family out. They're missing the wonderful things their children should be experiencing in church. They probably, they're probably not in Wednesday night activities or weeknight activities, whenever it might be, because they're too busy doing those things. I know when my girls were coming along in ballet, the teacher said, well, you know, one of my daughters, she said, I, I really just, I don't, I don't like ballet. I really love jazz. I really just want to do jazz. The teacher said, oh, no, you know, you, you've got to do all of it. You have to come. And so she wanted them there like four nights a week to get all of it. Well, you know, we didn't really want to eat, live, and, you know, do dance in that form. But it, in order to ever have be successful and ever feel like you were going to be have a great spot in the, in the performance at the end of the year, what did you have to do? You had to go four nights a week. And, and then what did we start seeing them? We start seeing them burn out before they even are able to use the tools that they have gained, they have burned out because they did too much. So then we have the chimpanzee family. Well, you know, we kind of think funny when we see chimpanzees and we think, you know, kind of monkey in monkey see, monkey do. But what we're thinking about here is something called modularity. And these people are struggling with commitment to anything. And I think this may be one of the things that concerns me the most as I look at church, is these families want to have a smorgasbord of how they do church. One of my favorite people in Statesboro, a young lady, um, and she's not going to this church right now. She's in another church. Uh, but she comes here for certain things. But she posted this week, and I'll brag a little bit. She said, I want, I want this for my child. This is the church I want. I want the certain pastor, and she named him, the pastor she wants to go here preach. I want First Baptist Kids Ministry. Yes, <laughs> I was excited about that. I want such and such church for my teenager. I want, and she named all the different things. And she said, am I asking too much? And I'm like, oh, this is so sad because this is where they are, and it's what they're doing. Unfortunately, they're just saying, well, we'll go do Sunday morning at such and such church because we like that preacher or we like that Sunday school. Or Oh, and she said small groups was another one. And I want such and such church because of their small groups. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, it, but that's who they are. They're wanting to build. They're just wanting a salad bar and to be able to build it like they want. Um, is that healthy for families? I don't think so. And is, is it healthy for our churches? I don't think so. But it's where they're living. I have families all the time say to me, well, I'm just glad they're going to church somewhere. You know, I don't care if they go to another church for um, kids, you know, for, for the, some program they want to get to or whatever. I don't care. As long as they're in church, it's okay. Well, what's going to happen when your family has a crisis and you need a church to step in? Uh, we had it. We had it happen here a few years ago. A child who had grown up here through all the kids' ministry, but when he was a teenager, there's always a popular church. If you notice that with teens, there's always a place to be, and it moves. It changes around. But so when he was with the years that he was a teen, it was another church in town, and so he went there, and his mom was fine. But then his dad got really, really sick, and then his dad died. People here didn't really. People that his mom's church didn't really know this kid. The people at the church where he was going for youth ministry didn't really know the family. So, you know, it was like we were just struggling to try to pull, carry out ministry in the life of this kid who had, you know, gotten pulled into having multiple churches. And no real, no church really felt totally responsible. And no group of adults 
really knew him in a way that they could minister to him during that time of crisis. So it's very frightening to me to see when that happens. So, um, you know, we look at all these and we think, you know, is there a single one that you don't have in your church? You think you have them all. (coughs) So we're trying to reach families and we're seeing all of this and we're like, whoa, what do we do? Well, if we're going to make a real difference in a child's life, we've got to make a difference in their family. Um, And that's, you know, completely, regardless of whether they have Christian parents or not, we've got to have a relationship with those families to be able to to have a, a great relationship with that child and do what we want to do. So let's look at how we're going to do that. It's not going to be easy. It's hard work. But let's look at some tips for connecting. Let's begin with the end in mind. You know, you're not going to connect with families unless you have a plan to connect with families. It's not going to just happen. You have to go ahead and have a plan and know one of the best plans that you can have is to have a team in your church. Uh, uh, Next gen, if you want to call it a next gen team or whatever you want to call it, but working together. We're working on this really hard in our church right now to make sure we can focus on making sure that what I do with preschool and kids passes on to the youth, the student minister, and that passes on to the college minister. And we're all, we've all got the same goal in mind. We all know what we're doing, and we're, we're struggling. We're trying to ride our discipleship path. What is a discipleship path that anybody in our church can follow? And, and are they going to be able to follow it all through? No matter what they age, age they are, they're going to be able to follow that discipleship plan because, um, you know, we have to hand them off well. That's kind of been one thing I've really worked on in recent years is finding ways to do that well, is looking for um, some milestone moments. Uh, What are some milestone moments that you can think of that happen in the life of a preschool family that would be key in a church? Like the first one might be when that baby's born. Like yesterday I had the joy of going and holding that little baby and my picture baby, that little baby, and asking them if I could pray over that baby. That's a milestone moment that I hope that family remembers forever. That moment when we stopped and we thanked God and we prayed over that child. And we prayed that that child would be able to follow mom and dad. And as he watched them, as they were role models for how to follow Jesus, and the day would come that that child would too make their decision to follow Jesus. That's the very first milestone moment. It could even start in the um, in, when they're expecting. There could be times that there are moments, maybe you as a church have something special for them, and they come and as expectant moms, they come together, expectant parents, they may have a brunch together, and that's a milestone moment. That's, that's a big deal, you know, when you're expecting that baby, especially if it's that first one, that's a huge deal. So that might be a milestone moment even early on. But then, you know, maybe it might be... Um, for us, it would probably, when they're first graders, they get their Bible. That's when we present them their Bibles. And so we make a huge deal of that and have a brunch, and they get their Bibles. And then afterwards, they go to the 11 o'clock service, and they all stand there with their parents, and they hold their Bibles, and they say something. Um, they follow the pastor's leading and talking about how this book, this will be a word, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's a milestone moment, you know. And I tell our parents, 
well, I skipped one. I spelled, skipped parent-child dedication because uh, I tell them at, when we have orientation for parent-child dedication, I said, you know, we scrapbook everything and we keep all this stuff. Um, you know, I don't even know how parents are keeping things these days. What are, what are young moms, you know, uh, Jenny and I were, were scrapbooking years, you know, but uh, they're not doing so much that physical scrapbook anymore. But I'm like, you need things in your home that your children see as they're growing up that they're like, oh, that happened at church. That picture of your parent, of that dedication, well, that's when mommy and daddy went before the church and we committed that we were going to raise you to know Jesus. So you have, it gives you opportunities for conversations. So that would be one. And then, then you have your Bible brunch and all that. And, and then it might be that the next one is when they actually um, pray to receive Christ as their Savior and they come down in front of the church and the baptism experience. And, and so on and on and on. And then but if it stops with me and I go through all these wonderful milestone moments and then I just drop it and say, go to the student ministry, something's been lost. So, so what we wanted to try to do is have a torch that we're passing between us. And so uh, Mark Gallo and I have worked together for a number of years now. And so we have a little thing like when they, the week they go up, we come out in the hallways and um, all my everybody other we, we keep our kids um, kids ministry through the sixth grade so when they end their sixth grade year um, they march down this hall and off of this hall and everybody else on this hall is out there cheering and clapping and and there's a photographer there snapping their pictures as they march out and then they walk out through about about there where y'all saw coffee out there and we stop and we take a picture and we take a picture of that child and and um, myself and then um, the student minister. We take it together as a symbol that I am passing them and the responsibility of guiding them at church onto the student minister. And so we're all in this together. And then as they leave that spot and we give them some little things to send them on, they pass on out and, and no more. And the parents are in the middle. When they when we come off of this floor, all their parents are there cheering. And then when they come off of that little area, it becomes all the student leaders and all the students that have gone before them. And they're cheering, and they cheer them up the stairs. And I said, I don't know what happens after that. I don't know what they do after that point. Somebody said, well, what do they do after they get up there? I'm like, I don't know. You have to talk to him. You have to talk to Mark about that. I don't know what they do. They get up and they have a fellowship time, and they introduce them to student ministry. But, but it's so important to me that I create that because that is, is a very difficult transition. Um, going from kids' ministry to student transition it's, it's, can be very hard. It's very intimidating to the kids. I've had some of my most popular, outgoing kids that I've literally had to go take. Like, they wouldn't be here the big Sunday, and they'd come to my office and say, Miss Susan, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, and I'd have to kind of take them and lead them. I'm like, this is a kid that was king of the castle for the last three years. You know, they ruled the world at Central Kid and everything, and now, but boy, that's intimidating when you go to that new space and there's all these older people up there and all. But you know what? I've not done my job well if I don't help them transition. And I've seen many who didn't make that transition and how heartbreaking that is that we lose them because we don't do our job well to transition them at that point. So begin with the end of mind in mind to make sure that you're equipping families, that you're giving them the tools they need uh, to be able to, to be the parents, not doing it for them, but giving them the resources that they need to be the kind of parents they need to be.
keep it simple, sweetie. Don't you like that new terminology? <laughs> uh, we want to keep it real. Um, we just talked about who these families are. So, you know, in our perfect world, we might say, okay, families, to be a great spiritual leader, you've got to have family devotions every night of the week, and I'm going to give you the resources you need, and I'm going to, but I'm going to check you off every week and see if you've done. Is, is that going to work with today's families? It's not. Uh, and so we've got to keep it simple and figure out what tools can we give them that help them to do that job better, but they're realistic, we got to keep it simple. You know, I mean, it might be that we give them one thing a week. We say, you know, sometime this week, one of the things I've enjoyed doing is sending home um, a Facebook message of, this is what we talked about in kids' worship this week. Talk with your child this week about this. If they do that, they're doing more than they know how to do. Really, you're giving them a tool. They don't know what to do. We can't just send them out blindly. Tell them something they can talk about, have spiritual conversation. Are you going to give them, are they going to know you're going to get an email? You know, once a week they're going to get an email and you're going to give, an, give them an opportunity to do something as a family to guide their children. But, you know, we've got, we can't make it too complicated. We've got to realize where they're at and what they're capable of doing. You know, we like, we like to think that um, we can do it all, but we know better, don't we? We know we need help. We know we need partners. And who better to partner with than the leaders of adults in our church? Um, I had to admit to somebody today, somebody was trying to help them find a room, and I said, you know, I don't really get to the adult classes too much. I don't know my way. I've got to go figure out how to get there. Um, but I really ought to be there more. And I, I've actually been there a couple of times recently, last, in the last few Sundays, trying to talk to Go to, going to the parents' Sunday school classes and talking directly to them uh, because we need them as our partners. And so those leaders of those young adult classes, they can help you. They can be the ones that say, okay, parents, you know, this is what, what they're trying to do in kids' ministry right now, and, and y'all need to get on board and let me help you as your, as your Sunday school teacher know how to do it. We're not, we're not good at that. Are, are any of y'all feel like that's, you're just really gifted in that area? Uh, it's a hard thing for us to do to reach out, but we need to reach out to, you know, our pastor, obviously, to let help him help us to do it. But I, I'm really thinking the Sunday school um, teachers of, of our children, uh, of the parents of our children are the people that we really need to be partnering with more. And we, and we need them to be a part of our team. We need to say to them, hey, I went to some of mine recently and I said, I need your help. I, I'll, I'll be real honest to tell you, some of my preschool Sunday school teachers were discouraged because I'm sure you have never had this problem at your church, but we have a little problem sometimes with people not showing up for extended care. Anybody ever had that problem? Or if they come, you know, I mean, they're going to get the choir. If the choir director tells them to be at the choir room at a quarter till, they're there. They leave that Sunday school class, and they are there in their seat. But we ask them to be in their, you know, their place of service at the same time, and they don't do it. You know, they just don't. So, you know, we talked about it as a staff, and we're like, how are we going to fix this? And so the way we figured out to fix it was for me to go talk to those Sunday school classes and say, hey, I need your help. You know, I've got some teachers that are discouraged because they can't ever get out. They're, they, they feel stuck. They're teaching your children every Sunday, and they are, they are 
You know, they're thrilled to do that. They're called to that. They're happy to do that. But they don't want to get stuck there and not ever get to church on time or not ever get to leave with their family if they've already been to worship. Or they, they want, when it's their time to leave, they want the next group of volunteers to be in place. But you know what? I can't make that happen by myself. It doesn't matter what I do. I personally cannot make that happen. But I need you guys to help me. Will you help me do that? So we need to go and, and bridge with them and get the help that we need and, and recognize that we, we can't be all in it ourselves. So we want to continue the connection, continue um, helping people to find a place to connect. Um, somebody was telling me the other day, and, and I thought this was the most awesome idea, like, you know, you may connect with a family at, say, Bible school, and you, I mean, look how many people we have come to Bible school and they don't put a church home in there, you know, and we're trying to figure out how to make that connection and have a conversation, and yet we know some of these people aren't ready to say, oh, yeah, my kids had a great week at Bible school, and we're going to be here Sunday morning, and we're, this is going to be our church home. You know, it doesn't happen a lot. It happens some, thankfully, but it doesn't happen a lot. And so we're trying to find a way to bridge that. And as we do, somebody was sharing with me that, that they had come up with this idea of saying, you know what, if you don't have a church home right now, w- would you allow us to be your church home until you find one? And we, we, we would just like you to know that we're going to consider you our church. We're going to consider you ours. And you, God may lead you to another church. We're, you know, we, just, we want you to go where God leads you. But in the meantime, will you let us be the ones to minister to you? I, I get choked up thinking about it because I'm thinking how many times I haven't done that. You know? um, but what, I think how life-changing that could be. If you, if you have a need, if your family has a need during this time while you're searching for a church home, will you call on us? Will you call our church office and let us meet your need? That just seems powerful to me, and it just seems like I've never known, I've never thought of doing it. I just, I've just, somebody shared that with me a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, that is just, I just think it could be just life-changing. And I can imagine those people going, Wow. They care about me. I don't have to sign on the dotted line. I don't have to join their church. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to do any of that. I just have to know they're here for me. So so look for ways to continue that connection and to, to bridge that. And then partner families with families. You know, when, when you have those families come in... Do you look for ways? Do you make sure they have somebody, like you invite them to come Wednesday night supper? But um, I don't know about you, but at our church, if you come to Wednesday night supper, you're going to walk into a room and you're going to see a lot of friends sitting with friends. And you're going to be a little bit intimidated to walk into that. But what if you've already said, hey, we know this family's kind of they visited with us. Maybe they visited us at Bible school. Maybe they visited us on Easter Sunday. Or somewhere along the way, they have expressed an interest in our church. We're going to find a family that's going to be ready to partner with them. We're going to look for a family. Maybe they live in their neighborhood. Maybe their kids go to the same school. Find something that's common about them. And make sure that that family is aware of this family and they're ready to be a partnering family. Uh, you know, what a difference that could make. I know I have found myself sometimes on Wednesday nights running around kind of going, 
and whispering in people's ears, but somebody please go talk to that family over there. There's a family over there sitting by themselves. I, that probably doesn't happen at your church, but it happens occasionally here. That there's a family and they're sitting all by themselves and all these other people are having a great time with their friends. And I'm like, will y'all please somebody go sit over there with that family? Well, you know, what if we did that prior? I mean, we don't always know they're coming, but a lot of times we know they're coming. I, I had a church member call me last week and she said, she wanted, well, actually she called me, three weeks ago, and she said, I'm going to bring um, somebody here. I'm going to bring somebody to Wednesday night church tonight. I want to let you know because I want to make sure people speak to them and are friendly and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And she said, I'm going to bring them to supper tonight. And I said, well, that's great, but I'm just going to kind of give you a heads up. We're having hot dogs tonight. <laughs> it was one of those kind of in-between nights before the year, really. And I'm like, and she's like, oh, no, that would, they wouldn't like that. And I'm like, well, I just kind of want you to know that it's a hot dog night. It's not a really nice meal. And she's like, think I better wait and so we talked about that you know there's some there's some weeks that were that we're not strong in the summer there's especially that transitional time when school's starting and we hadn't kicked off yet and there's not a lot of people there you don't see a lot of young families it doesn't look exciting and the meal is just kind of basic like you know bring them the first night when we kick off that night it'll be a great fried chicken meal There'll be lots of people, lots of activity, lots of opportunities for them to plug into ladies and men's Bible studies and then all the opportunities for the children. And so she's like, oh, thank you for telling me. Yes, that would be a better first experience for them. So sure enough, she brought them this week and they had an awesome and they, they clicked in and they got in. And I'm like, if we could do a better job with that and train our people, hey, I'm, you know, to let us know so we can partner and do that, what a difference it can make in our ministries. Tim Elmore has written a great book, Marching Off the Map, and um, he kind of is help trying. He he's so helpful in helping us to understand the generations to come that we don't necessarily understand. And so he's got some tips for us. And what he says is, don't think, control, think, connect. So when we're dealing with these young ones. Young people have answered, yeah, we, we can't control them. We can't tell them what to do. We've got to make a connection. So you've got to find a way to connect with them. He says, don't think inform, think interpret. What do you see is the difference in that? In your mind. If somebody informs you, I mean, did your mama ever tell you it's that way because I, I said it is. You know, I'm just informing you that it's that way and, and you just need to accept the reality versus let me tell you why you should do this. Um, let me tell you why this will, you know, everything will go better. So we want to inform, uh, we want to interpret rather than inform. And and here again, like I think our, we can relate to our mothers. Um, don't think what, think why. Why do you want to do it this way? Why do we as a church, why do we as a kids' ministry want to make these changes? Ever made a change in kids' ministry? Mr. Bill, you ever made a change in kids' ministry? It's lots of fun, isn't it? Yeah, real lots of fun. They just love, people love change, don't they? Yeah, so but we've got to think about helping them to understand why are we doing this? What's going to work better if we do it this way? They still may not like it, but they'll be much more likely to follow it if we do it that way. He says, don't do it for them. Think, help them to do it. Um, 
especially true in this younger generation. They want to be hands-on. They want to be busy and active. They don't want to just have it done. They want to be involved and totally involved. Can we help our families to be have opportunities to grow spiritually? They don't have it. It is not just right there in their DNA to be um, spiritual leaders. Uh, it's just not there. We've got to help them, but we don't need to do it for them. Um, I, I'll tell you, I don't want the responsibility of their children's spiritual life on my shoulders. I can't carry that, but I want to help them to carry it as God intended to do it. So help them to know how to do it. Give them the tools. The tools. Don't think impose, think expose. Expose them to the things that they need to know and why they need to do it and how they do it. And don't think prescriptive, think descriptive to help them understand how they can uh, be a part of God's world. And don't think cool, think real. That's really hard in our day. Everybody wants to do the latest, greatest. But we have to get down to the reality of who are these families? What, what does the giraffe family really need to be able to guide their children spiritually? How can it, what tools can I give the giraffe family that they can handle? It can't cost a lot of money because they're already overextended in that area. It can't take a lot of time. They don't have it. Um, but we have to you know, try to fit into where they are in their lives. And then rather than thinking lecture, think lab. Um, I, this conference, um, I hate that it's a lecture conference because that's I'm not I don't typically teach a, uh, a lecture conference, and this one needed to be. But I would much rather us be learning hands-on, and certainly with children, and when you're dealing with their parents, um, to be able to put them in a real-life lab experience and let them experience and give them. The so then I was to think, and now's where you're going to come in and you're going to help us a little bit because we want us to stop and think a little bit about what are the traditional ways that we connect with parents and what are the technological ways that we can now connect with parents and then what are some very intentional ways that we connect with parents. Um, you know, there's just, uh, when we look at traditional, I think about like, a friend of mine tells a story. You've probably heard Bill Amiot tell his story. I love it when he tells it. Any of you know Bill Amiot? He, I love to hear Bill tell this story. He tells about when his grandmother died and his Sunday school teacher came to visit at the house, as we do in the Southern way. And so she walked in and she had a plate of brownies and she walked in and so the grandmother or whomever met him at the door and said, oh, thank you so much. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. These are for Bill. These, these are Bill's brownies. And he said, you know, as an adult, he remembers now how that made him feel. Those brownies were not for the whole family. She, his Sunday school teacher came to visit him and to bring those brownies to him. So, you know, think of those things as, you, as you're trying to be very intentional and, and being traditional. You know, we've, we've kind of always known how to do those kinds of things. We kind of that southern, our southern heritage to do some things like that, but what are some things like that that we maybe need to teach the next generation? Because just because we did it growing up uh, doesn't mean that they know to do it. An example is um, I grew up in the years where you had an offering envelope, and every Saturday night, what did you do? 
everybody. You check the boxes on your envelope every Saturday night because that's just what you did. You know, you knew that you were going to carry your offering envelope and you were going to take it the next morning to church and it was going to ask you if you'd done your daily Bible reading. It was going to ask you if you'd studied your Sunday school lesson. If all those, Did you invite anybody to Sunday school? All those things. This generation does not know anything about tools like that. They don't have those tools. And so what happens? Nothing happens. You know, and I looked around here a few, couple of years ago and I realized... We didn't have any children giving. I'm like, whoa, this is serious. Now, we weren't missing it financially, their money. You know, nobody was screaming, oh my gosh, we're not going to pay the light bill because the kids aren't giving any money. But what did I see happening? They weren't learning stewardship. And guess what? One day, number one, it mattered because they need to do that now. But number two, if they're going to be the, our church of the future. Who in the world is going to know to do those things? So I actually created an envelope. We have our own children's ministry envelope. And we, we tried to keep it simple and tried not to be as strict as it was back in the day. But I said, you know, on there, like, did you read your Bible? Didn't say daily. Just did you read your Bible? You know, did you invite someone to church? And they, so, you know, we're trying to teach our parents, hey, on Saturday night, and I'll go on Facebook sometimes and post a picture of it and say, okay, parents, you need to get out your offer envelopes. Trying to say, okay, it's 9 o'clock. Everybody, get out your offering envelopes and sit down with your children and, and tell them um, what they need to do and begin to teach stewardship. Um, you know, back in that day, very likely a parent would have given children, um, they would have had an allowance. They might would have been given 10 dimes. And my and dad said, mom or dad said, okay, you need to put one of these dimes in your offering envelope to teach them to tithe. How do we teach them that today? Do our, do our young parents know those tools? Those are simple tools, but we haven't taught them. So we may have to do some teaching and help them to know how to do those things. So when you think about traditional, think about those kinds of things that kind of link back to who we were at one time. Um, intentional, re- realizing that um, they, they're watching us everywhere we go. They're watching us at Walmart. Are we being intentional in the line at Walmart? Are we fussing? Um, I'm sure nobody else is guilty of this, but we, we, our Walmart you seldom has more than two lines open at any given time, you know. And and so what do we do? We fuss, you know. We moan and groan and we complain because we can't get through the Walmart line. But what if we took that time to make a bridge to a family that we were in line with? What if we looked around and there was a kid that was very frustrated because they were having to wait in that line and that we were able to talk to that kid and build a bridge to that kid and maybe have an opportunity to say, I teach, you know what, I teach your age in Sunday school. Oh man, do you go to Sunday school anywhere? You know, your mom, your mom would bring you to my Sunday school class. It's an opportunity to be intentional about what we're doing. And then when we look at um, technological, you know what all the different opportunities are for us to be able to use technology to reach families. So I'm fixing to send you to work. 
you've sat and taken notes beautifully, but um, now you've got to get to work, and you've got to come up and brainstorm as many ways. And you, I'm going to let you move around the room and do them all. And if you would, just go around, and if you would just write on the different things, um, some ideas that you have for how we can be traditional in our methods of reaching, how we can be intentional, and how we can use technology to reach families. You ready to go? One, two, three, go. Put a little music on. Okay, so I don't want you to go sit down, and I know you're going to want to keep some of these ideas, and so what I'm going to suggest you do is when we finish, come take a picture of the pages, and then you'll have all the notes, and that way we can stand here, because what I want us to do is share, and I want it to be heard for those who listen to this later, so y'all just kind of stay close to me, and then speak up, and we can kind of hear. So if you shared something on technological, how about sharing it out loud? Well, I put the Good Ministry Facebook page. I'm, I'm terrible at it, but at the church I serve at, we have that. And I've not been at this church a year yet. I've been there about six months. And I'm terrible at it. The preschool lady, she's good. Of course, she's good. You know? <laughs> However, but I'm terrible. But it's, it's very effective. Because I know that there's this group of moms that that's their community is Facebook Okay, that I'm finding I'm yes. finding that out so, so you have opportunities to speak into their lives right. through that right. so, okay. so what kind of things could you put on a Facebook page that would help them to be better guides to their children and following Jesus we'll post our sermons sometimes for people that aren't available or maybe don't come or won't come or haven't come so we'll post our pastor sermons. We'll also post like upcoming events um, that they can be a part of that maybe aren't just like localized to our church, stuff in the community. We we like to work with other churches. So if another church is having a, a you know, because I'm not going to be stingy and say you only have to come to our church. But if there's an opportunity where they know someone at this church, I want to let them know that, hey, First Baptist in Waynesboro is offering some such such. So we do post different events in the community too. Okay. How else would some of you use a Facebook page to connect with your parents? Uh, I know, you know, one thing which I'm, I'm fairly into the children's ministry aspect, but as a youth pastor, uh, we actually did something very similar to what you mentioned in your talk, which give we would give like weekly reminders of what lesson that we actually taught that week, and give one just one simple question. Here's the question, and we always phrase it with, uh, "Here's an opportunity." We're not going to tell you to do it. There's an opportunity for you to take advantage of if you would like to. I like hopefully that. that. And hopefully they would. Okay. So that, that's, that's something we would do. So when you guys do this, are you the controlling person? Then what happens? Good question. Uh, any well, you have to have a, you have to be an administrator in order to put it on uh, our particular Facebook. Uh, you can be an administrator, or you can be added to the group page as someone that can contribute to it. Um, but we also have, like, we'll have our, our pastors are all administrators on our pages. And we have one PR that's an administrator on our page. And so I, and then I would be over at preschool and children's page. So we have, we're all held accountable because there are other people in our church that can be a part of that. And they can see what's being posted, see what's being shared. But it's a closed group. So it's not like um, this random dude 
from somewhere else that doesn't come to church with us is on here with maybe possible pictures of our children and stuff like that. So it's really contained. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else have you got up there? Technology. I put the Remind Me app. Sometimes it helps uh, send out a little reminder and says, hey, you have an upcoming event, or hey, don't forget to you know, go over this with your kids, or sometimes it's easy just to download an app and just let it ding. Okay, everybody familiar with Remind app? So, good with that, okay. What else? I think, it, I mean, just let the parents know what you learn in Sunday school. I'm a Sunday school teacher and I'm in the kids' ministry. So, I mean, that gives them a connection to start a conversation with their children. Which is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. We want them to carry this conversation on. Um, also, you know, it, many of these people that we're talking with about are Christian parents, but some of them aren't. You know, we may have some parents of children who aren't Christians, so we're having an opportunity to speak into their lives and present the gospel in our own way to them. So... God can use it in many ways. I love Keep Website Info Current. Who did that? Yeah. yeah. And that's chat. That sounds easy, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, a lot of churches, they do just a stagnant website, and that's not what we, we have at our church. It's constantly changing, and the children's page is the most, changes the most out of any of them. Yeah. Because um, there's so much going on there that, but it's very easy to let it be and then what does that say you know when people go on there and you're like well that was two months ago I don't need to know that so um, which I think is important too for for people that you not that you have not even connected with because uh, we all know that most most people now before they go to visit their church they visit the church website mm -hmm. um, and like it or not you know, depending on how they how their experience is there will depend on if they go or not. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of families. It's true. And I think too, as we do things on Facebook or, or really any of the social media, I just Facebook's my age group. <laughs> so um, I'm not really good at some of the others. But it helps me to get to know them. I know what's going on in their lives. I know what some of their struggles are because I'm seeing them live their lives. They're not shy about putting their lives out there. And so it helps me to know these are issues that, you know, I never had to deal with. So I learn a lot. I learn a lot of ministry opportunities. Many times I don't know somebody's had a wreck. I don't know somebody's grandfather has passed away, but I see it all on Facebook, and I'm able to minister as a result of that. But I think also they see me, because especially in a church this size, they don't—they've not necessarily even met me. They may have brought their child to Sunday school, and they may have been here for weeks, but we've not had an opportunity to connect. But then, if I can get them on that page then they're seeing my picture and they're learning who I am and I have it's easier for me to make that connection with them. So I, I find it to be very helpful. So what are some intentional ways you found? Come on, don't be shy. Y'all aren't shy people. Well, you have to be intentional about contacting those visitors that come. That has to be what you do either the day of or by the first couple of days. I think there's a proven statistic that that you need to contact them by 
Tuesday for them to come back. The earlier you do it, mm -hmm. so you've got to be intentional about that. And as many different ways. Right. You know, um, we tend to get in our little silos, and if I'm a Facebook person, I'm kind of always doing Facebook, but then there are people that that's not going to reach them. So the more different ways we can have going out, like, you know, we try to, you know, make sure that there's a phone call, there's, you know, an email, there's a text, there, you know, there's a an old-fashioned snail mail, but I find in that young couples don't even check their mail. They go long periods of time. Are y'all them? Um, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I would put money on it. And I didn't even know I had jury duty for yeah. like two weeks. So yeah. it's a good thing I checked my mail. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> but you are very typical. So if we totally rely, now I still love snail mail. And I think children love children. to receive snail mail. Yeah, so I don't know how they're going to get it because their parents aren't going to check the box. But, um, you know, those things are important. Like, um, I love to find them in the newspaper, pictures of them in the newspaper and laminate it. And, and, this is, I, I, almost every parent comes to me and says, thank you so much for sending me that article because I had no idea my child was in the newspaper. Because guess what? They don't read the newspaper. You know? But they're excited that their child was in the paper and that I handed it to them. So, you know, but you gotta be intentional. I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of days I don't really wanna read the paper. There's not really a whole lot in it. But every day, and, and we actually at our home, get the paper for that reason. I mean, we had talked about this is something we can live without, it's, it's on our phones, and we get a copy at the church, and I'm like, I have to get that paper so we can do that. Well, now my husband is doing the crossword puzzles anyway, so <laughs> I think he thinks it's gonna save the brain. I don't, I'm not buying that. But, uh, the, uh, anyway, so, but I have found that that's a good way for me to be intentional, and I have to be faithful. And when I come home from vacation, I gotta read all those papers backlog, and sometimes I'm like, well, it's old news, I don't need to read it, but that child might be in there and I can have an opportunity to connect with a family that I've maybe not been able to connect with. Tell me about snapshot lessons to take home. That's essentially what I was talking about over here. Got, okay, got same, you. Same, okay. same kind of process. Get to know the families. It's hard to do, but I mean, it takes effort. Um, we had something last Sunday that's one of those things, you know, we, we sometimes find ourselves in a trap of what does this do spiritually? I remember when I first started working here, this is 21 years ago, um, we had Sunday, we still had traditional Sunday night church every Sunday night. And afterwards we were doing fellowships afterwards and I remember somebody saying, well, you didn't do a devotion at the fellowship and I'm like, we just left church, you know, I mean, can't we just go be together and enjoy being together and having fellowship? Isn't that one of our responsibilities to provide opportunities for fellowship? I'm like, they've just had a worship opportunity. They've just had, you know, discipleship opportunities. Sometimes we just want to go be together and get to know one another. And I think that's a very spiritual and biblical thing. Um, last Sunday night, I did, I, and it, it when you do something really easy, do you feel kind of lazy sometimes? But, I mean, and I will admit, maybe I am, but, um, you know, like when school is starting, everybody's so crazy, you know? It's such a crazy time of year. And, but, but I won't 
still us to get together, and people are just kind of reconnecting back. Some of our people disappear for the summer. We don't see them all summer, you know. So when they get back, I want an opportunity to just be with them. And so at that time of year, and it was last Sunday night, I just say, everybody come to Dairy Queen. I'm buying, I'll buy a small anything. If you want, you know, for your family, just come. And they come by the droves, you know. They just all show up at 6 o'clock that Sunday night. And all we do is fellowship and reconnect with one another. And there's some people there that I hardly know. In fact, I was a little nervous the other night because I started seeing a number of our international families, and it's harder for me to get to know them. We have a good many. And I was like, oh, I hope I, rec- I, hope I realize when they come in whether they're mine or not because i got to go over and I was actually taking their orders and delivering their stuff to them and Dairy Queen just let me handle it and I just paid them at the end. But it only cost me, you know, it, I can do it for less than $200. I do nothing to get ready. I just show up. I mean, I feel like a really lazy thing. You know, I'm like, I just had a great event and I did nothing except promote it, you know? So look for those opportunities to just be intentional and in getting to know them so that you have opportunities to speak into their lives. Do y'all, do y'all continue to have Sunday evening service? We are not doing like every Sunday. We are kind of like doing what we need to do. Like in the month of September, um, we... Uh, the only night we're not meeting is the night of um, um, the holiday weekend. You know, we're not meeting that night. But three nights, one night, we're having our big Sunday school launch, even though we've already started the new year. We're going to have the big banquet, teacher banquet that night, and, and, and all the training and all that night. That's one of our nights. And then three of the nights, we're doing, um, we're doing a special spiritual growth, um, um, fruits of the spirit kind of thing. Um, and spiritual gifts kind of study and so those are going to be so they're always like they're never it's never just Sunday night church but we're here more Sunday nights than we're not but we don't have church just to have church it's always we're always very intentional about what we're trying to do that night and what our purpose is rather than just you know and, and there's I'm not saying that's right or wrong but um, you know, we have been guilty at times of just doing church again and not really doing it really well at night or whatever. But um, what, we're, we're doing very intentional stuff on Sunday night. Some Sundays we're here and some Sundays we're not. It's a nightmare for nursery because yeah. I, I'm like, <laughs> Sunday, we're, and we're having like this Sunday night, we're having deacon ordination, you know, and I actually, that one was not on the calendar way out like it usually is. Sorry. Lightning. Wow. wow. <laughs> that hit somewhere. <laughs> that was very intentional. <laughs> okay, we're about to run out of time. Um, what do y'all have? Do y'all remember what you put on traditional without walking over there? Or you got to go look? I had put deacon families. When I was growing up, our family always had a deacon that would come and talk to us and make sure we were okay when we had stuff going on. And I just feel like that's getting back to the roots of what our church is about and what the deacons do for our churches. And so we're kind of trying to do that at our church now, and I just think it's a really neat idea. And that puts, in many of our churches, that's not functioning right now. You know, it's, we're, most churches are struggling with that. So what does that say to us as Sunday school people, children's people? It's a bigger responsibility on us because there's not, we don't know that there's a deacon going into that home and keeping up with them and ministering to that family in crisis. So we have got to make sure we're on top of it. I said to my secretary this morning, I said, I've got to do a better job of, of you know, like when I'm on top of it, which is not summer, summer months. <laughs>
not usually on top of it in the summer. But when I'm on top of it, that sounds awful. Um, and I part with I have, oh, yeah. It'll be gone by the time you leave. Uh, every, um, every six weeks I'll have her, well, every week I'll have her pull who has not been here in the last six weeks. Because if they haven't been here in six weeks, something's really bad wrong. And you know, even four weeks. Let's look at four weeks. Is the cut family missed? Now, three weeks anymore is not terribly alarming, which is sad. But you know, you probably couldn't handle looking at all of them that were three weeks in a row. But you know, look at what is your point where you think, man, I better get in there and see what's going on if I hadn't seen them. Because if you're like me, all of a sudden you realize I haven't seen them. Oh my gosh, when have they been here? I've let them slip away and I haven't even said I miss you. And so I have to be very intentional about making sure. But, you know, the responsibility, you know, we wish we had strong deacon ministries, but often we, even if we do, we're partnering with them and um, making sure that there's a lot of intentionality and making sure that, um, that families being contacted and ministered to. What else is over there? I just had to go over that fight. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I know something, uh, church we're at right now, something with a uh, harp on a whole lot of Sunday school. Sunday school's down there. And so trying to uh, you know, have those trainings for our Sunday school teachers and not put a whole lot on them, uh, but the sense of, like, you're going to be my hands and my feet and my eyes. Because um, you're going to touch everybody. You're going to touch everybody. So and you're going to have probably more of an opportunity to do a little more discipleship than I would. Um, and so I uh, try to train them to do that, connect with them, uh, enable them to send cards and, and do different things like that, provide all those uh, material things for them. And that's going back to the basics. Yeah, it's is. going back to what we've known for a long time, but we've gotten lazy about it. So yeah. sometimes we just need to go back. Y'all just stand here real quick. You know, we just kind of assume that they know this, but you all know, you guys know this. Um, these words that I'm giving you today are to, are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Have we shared that with the next generation? Have we helped them to understand how clear God's word is? about that and about their responsibility in the home. And, and if we don't connect with them and help them to understand that, it's simply not going to happen. We're going to close with it. Let's just pray right now that God will help us to be wise and creative in finding connections for our families. God, we thank you that you have chosen us. And sometimes we feel so unworthy and incapable we don't feel like we have the tools we need, but we know from studying your word that you don't call us to do anything that you don't equip us to be able to do. And so we just pray that you will truly equip us for the journey ahead, that you will help us to realize how important the connections are, and that we will be able to make connections with these families so that we'll have opportunities to impact these homes in the way that they will be lighthouses all over our communities for you. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.